0: We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now, for our podcast teaching. An old hillbilly was bumping into walls and started speaking to animals thinking they're humans. And his wife got really sick and tired after the last time he was staring at the goat and calling her honey that he decided, she decided she was going to take him to the optometrist to get his eyes looked at and go ahead and see what was going on. Either he needed glaucoma surgery, he needed glasses, whatever it may have been. And so after running some tests, the doctor looked at him and he wrote him a prescription for glasses and he told him about the importance of eating right for the health of his eyes and he suggested things like carrots and whatnot. And the old hillbilly said... Why do I need glasses and carrots for? And the doctor answered, well, it's good for your eyes and it'll help you see clearly. The old hillbilly took out a jug of moonshine and he took a big old gulp and he said, well, this helps me see double. <laughs> you see, seeing clearly can help our headaches in life, can't they? I mean, if, if, if you have clear vision, right? Right? You can see clearly, you can avoid pitfalls and things like that. And that's just talking about our physical sight. The only problem is many people focus on things that are in the here and the now, and that will be gone tomorrow. And that is God's emphasis in the passage we're going to be looking at today but also in this parable in Luke chapter 12. If you would, turn to Luke chapter 12 with me in your Bibles. Luke chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 15 to 21. So, give a little background. Jesus is being asked by a man, a random man. He comes up to him and he says, Good teacher, hey, listen, I've been listening to you. I've been watching what you're doing. Tell my brother that he has to give me my inheritance. He has to give me my cut in the family inheritance because his brother was the manager of the, or the steward of his dad's inheritance, probably was the firstborn child, and he's saying, force my brother to give me what I'm due. So this is Jesus' answer. Starting in verse 15. He said to them, beware, and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. So when you have a lot of things, he's saying it doesn't matter if you have a lot of things, that's not what your life means. If, if somebody dies with a lot of possessions, somebody dies with five mansions, somebody dies with ten yachts, somebody dies with a bank account full of billions of dollars, they're still dead, aren't they? Their life, was not defined by their possessions, is what Jesus is saying. Okay, keeps on. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns, and I will build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. So I just want to go ahead and I want to break this down just for a second as we get into this idea of what's taking place here. You have a rich man. The man is already rich and has had plenty of produce through his life cycle in what he's attained already in life. And he has this one year where he just has bumper crops and has tons of extra and instead of saying, I'm going to bless others with the extra that I have, he says, I'm going to tear down my barns that I hold my extra in, and I'm going to build bigger ones so I can have even more extra. That's what's taking place in this passage. This man has no thought to the needy, no thought to helping others, no thought to even selling it for just, just cost or any of those types of things. This man has only got his sights on himself. Then he says, I'll say to my soul, I'll say to my inmost self, my psyche, what drives me. That's what that idea of soul is talking about. I'm going to say to what drives me. Now you can rest. Now you can rest. You know how many people after they retire die? And the reasoning is, is because their only goal in life is to retire. And they don't put any other goals in life. And if your only goal is to retire, if your only goal is to obtain, what are you going to do once you obtain or once you retire? Well, your body says, hey, goal's accomplished. They've actually found that there's a mental connection between this where people literally will, will, totally healthy people, once they retire, it's like a couple months later they're going to fall down dead because they've made this connection. My end is at retirement. Let's keep on. Verse 20. But God said to him, You fool. Moriano. It's where we get our word moron. (laughs) You fool. This very night, your soul is required of you. And now... Who will own what you have prepared? Now Jesus isn't saying that God looked at him and said, I require your psyche, I require your inmost being. He says, I require your pneuma. I require your very soul that lives inside of you. You will die today. And who is going to get all that you have stored up? It's going to be just distributed by the county. It's going to be distributed by the Romans. It's actually going to go to the Romans because you've done all the storehouses and you have no one to inherit it to. You weren't even thinking of your family. So is this man who stores up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. It's not about being happy in life. Why? Because happiness is fleeting, right? I mean, let's just think about this. I was having a conversation with somebody uh, just this week about this very thing, and it's the idea of happiness is an emotion that is fleeting. If you buy a new car, you're happy, right? You're happy. It's you got the new car smell, and you're just excited about that new car smell. You're, you're all happy. You want it washed and cleaned and everything. But if somebody zooms through a light and hits your car, happiness gone. But it could be quicker than that, right? Got a new puppy. Oh, everybody loves puppies, right? But as soon as that puppy pees on the carpet, it's like, I don't like this dog anymore, right? No, but that's the idea behind it, is happiness can be fleeting if it's only based on things. That's why when it tells us in Scripture, when Jesus is preaching on happiness, the idea of, of happy is the man, he's actually talking about the contentment in life. In Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes. He's talking about being content in what you have and in your situations to be content in Christ. Because happiness is fleeting. That's why I didn't like that movie with Will Smith called The Pursuit of Happiness. Why? Because he actually had his happiness there. It was his son, but he didn't recognize it. His happiness was all set on being successful. But his future was right there in his child. Acquiring manly, earthly possessions does not mean you're a rich person. There are plenty of rich people that are empty. That feel like they're empty. Earthly possessions and accounts only a portion of your life. Let's just think about that for a moment. If you have a full bank account, you're only full on one part of your life, right? You have to be filled spiritually. You have to be growing spiritually. If your goal is to work only for gains here on earth, then what's left once you attain them? It's all about your walk with Christ. We are eternal beings. Think about that. We are eternal beings. So once... Once we we lay down in the ground and this shell is done, what goes on forever? And a lot of times people are walking around with emptiness inside. Not filling what's on the inside. Not filling their spiritual life. Not growing in Christ. They walk around empty in their walk with Jesus. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Is this man, he built these storehouses and instead of building himself instead of working on himself instead of working on his relationship with others and God what did he do he said i'm going to tear down and i'm going to build better and i'm going to fill more and that's the way a lot of people look at things is what it's in it for me in the here and the now it's a temporary focus when jesus tells us that our eyes need to be set to the heavens to the heavenly reward, not the earthly reward, to the heavenly goal, not the earthly goal, to our heavenly relationship that affects all relationships here on earth. Amen? When you allow possessions to distract you, there is a lack of focus in life. We take our eye off the things of eternal value and have swapped them for temporary satisfaction here on earth. I mean, think about it. Our relationships are eternal, aren't they? Because we're sitting next to eternal beings. And sometimes people cash in cheap relationships. What do I mean by that? I mean they go on the dating websites that are just for hookups. Okay? And, and what is that for? It's for a cheap thrill for the day. They go to a strip club, they go to a prostitute, and what are they doing? They're cashing in to the temporary moment instead of fulfilling the eternal and the relationship that lasts. You see, we are eternal beings and we're made for eternal relationships, and that's what Christ wants us to seek in this life. He wants us to seek the eternal relationship with Him first and then the eternal relationship we can have with others and build that because your life ripples into the eternal. It continues to go on, and you can affect other people's lives if you have that focus. But a lot of times, like I said, we're just looking for the satisfaction in the temporary, in the now, in the moment, on the earthly side of things. Colossians 3 Colossians 3 verses one and two. I love the book of Colossians. Colossians 3 verse one and two, it says, "Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, if you have been raised up with Christ, real quick, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, every one of you have been raised up in Christ. You're a new creation. If you have been raised up in Christ, keep seeking the things above. Keep looking towards the things above, not the things that are temporary and momentary here on earth. That are seated at the right hand of God. Your purpose in life is Christ. Your purpose in life is Jesus. Your focus is heavenward. Set your mind on the things above. Not on the things of this earth, Oh, I love that. We're told to set our minds, to set our focus, to set our goals, to set our inner man, that psyche that Jesus talked about right here where the man was sitting there saying, I'm going to tell my soul you're content now. I'm going to tell what drives me you're content now. And Jesus says, hey, set that on the things above. The things that will not die. The things that moth and rust cannot come and and destroy and that thieves cannot break in and steal. Set your mind on those things that have eternal value. Mr. Joe right now is in the back praying for the service. All of you guys that know Mr. Joe, you know Mr. Joe is getting up in his younger years. But he's celebrating his 40th year in Awana. You know what that means? That is a man that has put not earthly value, but eternal value on serving. But a lot of times people look at what is going to be taken from them in the momentary. If I serve right now on a Wednesday or if I serve on a Friday because we used to have our day on Friday, I'm going to miss out on date night with my wife on Friday. I'm going to miss out on my favorite TV show. Uh, Come on, there's no excuse for that. Everybody's got TiVo nowadays, okay? Well, what did he say? He said, no, as long as there's a fresh cup of coffee, I'm there. (laughs) It's setting our mind on things that have eternal value. On what builds us eternally, what grows our relationship with Christ, and how can our life be glorifying Jesus in the here and the now? How can our life, how can our minds be set on things above? How can we focus on things above? By focusing on Him, by focusing on what pleases Him, by focusing on what grows us and grows people. But the problem is we have a lack of focus. And I don't want to go ahead and beat us up because all of us have these moments in our life where we take our mind off the prize, where we take our goals off the prize, which is Christ, where we stop focusing on things above. So why do we have this lack of focus? Well, Jesus gives us the answer in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, our main text for today, Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 to 24. It says this. The eye is the lamp of the body. Think about that. If you remember a few months ago, we talked about Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, where Jesus is talking about, you are the light of the world. No one lights a, a lamp and then hid, hides it under a bushel. Jesus is saying now that our eyes are the lamp for our body. Our eyes is what lights up all the inside. Our eyes is what grows us with him. Think about that. Let's keep on going. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. Imagine going through life. Imagine going through life, not being able to fully see. Maybe, maybe cataract you know, just covering your eyes, and so all you see is blotches of color. Maybe, maybe just a birth defect, maybe born blind. Now imagine your daily routine and how that would affect your life, not being able to clearly see. Guys, imagine trying to shave your face, not being able to see. Right? Ladies, imagine trying to shave your legs not being able to see. I mean, I'm already scared seeing my wife shave her legs. I'm like, how do you do that? Right? But imagine just the little things in life. Pouring a cup of coffee. You wouldn't be able to drive, so some of you guys would still be trying to walk over here. Imagine just trying to walk. Imagine your life Not knowing what you're eating. Just kind of seeing blotches. Not being able to fully see the face of the one that you love. Sight is so important to our experiences in life, isn't it? Sight is so much part of the intimacy that we have in life, isn't it? And what Jesus is calling us to is to have intimacy in our sight with Him. To see Him, to see clear, to have the the fleshly eyes cleared away. So, what we see is the joy we have in the intimacy, in the knowledge, in the experience of Him. What does it mean if your eye is not good, if it's not clear? What does that mean? In the Greek, the original language of the New Testament, the word actually translates single. If your, if your eye is not single, if your eye is not singular, if your eye is not focused, then your whole body is not going to be full of light. What he's saying is if your eye isn't fixed on the view of God, if your eye, as he says in Colossians chapter 3, if you're not focusing on the thing seated above at the right hand of God, Or as he says in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. If you're not seeking Christ, then your eye is going to be clouded. You're not going to have the correct vision. If your eye is focused on an earthly prize, if you're putting an earthly value on all things, if you're looking only on the sole benefit of how it's going to work in your favor here and in the now. He says then your eye is bad. And that word for bad in the Greek is the word poneros. Which is where we get the word pornography from. Think about that. We, we have taken one of the most vilest words here on earth. And we've taken the word bad and we've, in the Greek and we put them together. He's saying that's, that's what your focus is. It's, it's poneros. It's worse than bad. It's evil. It's wickedness. He's saying if, if all you're looking at in life, in your friendships, is how you can use this individual to build yourself, you're wicked. You're bad. Your eyes clouded. You need to look at how you can have a relationship with this individual on how you can affect them in the eternal If all you're looking at in this life is how you can use your funds to fund your favors and fund yourself and fund your fun. He's like, then your your eye is clouded. It's bad. You're thinking like the man that built even bigger storehouses. You need to look at how you can impact people for eternity. Take away the cloudedness of your eyes, the distractions. You'll trip and fall into temptations if all you're focusing on is what can help you in the here and the now. Think about that. If your eye is clouded, if all your focuses is on that raise, if all your focuses is on the here and now, if all your focuses is on that you know, prize of a woman or a man. If all your focus is on all those things, then he's saying, you know what, you'll trip and fall because you have bad eyesight. And you're missing out on the experience of a lifetime for eternity, which is Christ. A man was looking at himself in the mirror and he was kind of feeling depressed. He had a pot belly. His hair had traveled from his head to his shoulders and to his ears and to his chest. And he looked at his wife and he said, Honey, what has happened to me? I used to be big and strong. I used to have this beautiful head of hair, and now it's all gone. He's just looking and trying to feel for some affirmation. And his wife, trying to help him out, said, Well, you know what, honey? At least your eyesight is good. (laughs) Because it all comes down to, what do you place value on things? How do you place value on things? If you have your Bibles open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, because here we learn at uh, how to look at things in life. How we should focus clearly when it comes to spiritual things. How we should focus clearly on when it comes to physical things of this earth. How we should look at all things in life. It tells us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. It says this, But the natural man... The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. Now, Paul is saying that when he says they're spiritually appraised, he's saying they're spiritually profitable, they're spiritually good. So if going to Awana is spiritually good in the sight of of God and and Mr. Joe, okay, going back to our original example there, a non-spiritual man will look at Mr. Joe and say, why have you committed 40 years of your life to being around kids that are yelling and screaming? And they have snot running down their nose. And they're, and Hi, they're, hey, Mr. Joe! And hugging you. And you're getting the flu and colds and all that nastiness. Why are you doing that to yourself? Well, that's fleshly appraised. That's, that's appraising things in the natural world. A non-spiritual person can't look at that type of life and see it for the spiritual good. Verse 15, it says, but he who is spiritual appraises all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. He looks at every opportunity, is what it's saying, as an opportunity in Christ. He looks at every instance as an instance that can be lived in Christ. He looks at every moment as a moment that can be redeemed and bought back from this fleshly world as an opportunity for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. You are kingdom representatives here on earth. That's what Peter tells us when he says we are aliens in this world. That's what Paul says when he says we're sojourners. He's saying that we are representatives, we are Christ's representatives of His kingdom. And so let's look at that as an opportunity to expand His kingdom to this earth, right? By reaching others for the sake of Christ. How do we put a value on things? We assess it, we appraise it, we judge it by the value it has in the spiritual world in eternity. Jesus is calling us to appraise life on what has spiritual benefit in our life. Remember that song by the Flamingos? How many of you guys remember the song by the Flamingos? I, I, I love, now, if you guys know who, uh, a, a, anything about my past, um, my mom, she had lots of Motown records, and, and so she gave me Motown records, and that's kind of what I grew up listening to, the Beatles and Motown and, like, Temptations and all those types of things. So I loved that. But do you remember I think it was around 1958, 1959, the Flamingos came out with a song, I only have eyes for you. And I love the the opening lyrics. It says, "My love must be a kind of blind love." Right? And they do the shoo-up up in the background. It's like, <laughs> "Oh man, that's the best." Yeah, you can I only have eyes. Okay, I'm going to stop now. See, somebody finished it. Thank you. See, I'm not the only one. My love must be a kind of blind love. I can't see anyone but you. Are the stars out tonight? I don't know if it's cloudy or bright. I love that. Why? Because he's talking about how his infatuation is only focused on one thing. I only have eyes for you. The moon may be high, but I can't see a thing in the sky because I only have eyes for you. God wants us to have clear, singular, fixed vision, not unearthly satisfaction, not distracted by things on the right or the left or that the world throws at us, Not focusing on if my political party won or if my political party lost or how all of that... You know what? The world's going to end anyway. Okay? We know. The Bible says it. So don't focus on those things. Appraise it spiritually. Not humanly. If you're looking at things for gain for self and not for Christ, you're walking... Out of the light and your eyes clouded and dark. Your spiritual life, you're not being able to have the intimacy with Christ that you need. And what Jesus says is you're being temporal and foolish. Don't get mad at me for calling you a fool, but Jesus says it, okay? So how do we uncloud and keep a clear focus and vision? How can we keep focused on things of eternal value? How can we be content in this life? Come back, you'll get the rest of the sermon next week. <laughs> to be full of light, we must be seeking the light. Amen? To be full of light and to be that city on a hill that can't be hidden to be that light on the lampstand. We need to seek the light. Amen? Have you ever watched a sunflower throughout the day? It's really neat. It's really neat. If you plant a sunflower in a central location in, in your backyard or in a, in a sunflower garden, something very neat happens. At the start of the day, the flowers are... are Kind of, they're all pointing east. Why? Because they are anticipating the sunrise. And throughout the day, they just slowly start to move because they're following the sun. They realize that they have a short life and they need to take the best out of every opportunity and absorb what they can. grow. In our life, we need to take an example from a sunflower. In John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and we'll jump down to 9, it says, "...in him was life, and the life was the light of men." The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It couldn't see it, it couldn't observe it. Their eye was clouded. They were judging things based on the earthly. But verse 9 there was the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. Jesus, the Son of God, is our light. Amen? He's that Son that gives us what we need to grow. He is that Son that gives us what we need to produce. It's spending time with Him, spending time with Jesus, absorbing all we can from Him that helps us to grow. You know what it does? Is It causes us to speak right. It causes us to live right. It causes us to think right. It causes us to grow right. And encourages our relationships with others. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Start looking at things in the spiritual and how it affects your life. Start growing in Christ by sticking close to the light. Amen? Jesus is our son to follow. He's what keeps us from staying in the shadows of unproductive darkness. He's what helps us to look at things and not how they help me here in the now, but how they assess things spiritually. So for 40 years, you can hear kids scream and hug you with snotty little hands and love every moment of it. Let's go back to that sunflower. Why does the sunflower follow the sun? It does it to maximize life. Sunflowers, they're considered an annual, if you didn't know that. That means that they are only going to live a certain amount of time. They're only going to live maybe four months. Once the summer gets too hot, they'll die off, or once the, the winter gets too cold, they'll die off. So they only have a few times during the year that they can actually live and grow. So in order for that tiny little seed, that tiny little seed that we all love to, you know, eat. And my wife and Isaiah, they can't have peanut butter, so they have sunflower butter. And you sit there and you eat and all that stuff. In order for you to have that seed, that tiny little seed, grow and produce. They have to go from, from being that tiny little, they're, they're not even inch big seed to six to 20 foot tall. And produce beautiful flowers that produce more seeds, they have to work harder than any other plant. You know, an oak, they live hundreds of years, so they grow very, very, very slow. Six to 12 inches a year is typically what an oak will grow. Six to 12 inches. A regular house plant, six to 12 inches. Why? Because it has a lifetime to grow. A sunflower seed, Just a blip on the map. So what it does is it follows the sun for 180 days. It follows the sun for 180 days because its life is short. Brothers and sisters, our life is short. Our life here on earth is short and it's not to focus on things that don't matter. It's to follow the sun. Follow the sun so you grow. Follow the sun so you assess things spiritually. Our life on earth is represented by a tiny line between two numbers. The day you were born, the day you die. But your eternity goes on forever. So live with the end in mind. I want to close with these thoughts from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us, He's saying, let's quit being distracted. All right? And this was a time before cell phones. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's run this life. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God on the throne of God. Think about that. An earthly man would have looked at that end of Jesus and said, you're living your life to die on a cross, worthless. Worthless. God saw how His death on the cross would save the entire world. Spiritual. Are you storing up the Son and all He has given you in His mercy and His grace and His love? Are you embracing the relationship that He wants to have with you? Are you seeing things with a clear eye and spiritual profit? Are you storing up things of value? I have a challenge for you all this week. I know I haven't done a church family challenge in a while, but I want to give you this one. I challenge you all for a heavenly focus. Matthew chapter 12 verse 35 says, the good man out of the good treasures of his heart um, excuse me let, me, let me go back. I'm reading that wrong. The good man brings out of his good treasure that which is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure that which is evil. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, it says. So what our mouth speaks shows where our treasure and focus is at, Right? So, I want you to be challenged by this. Start with Jesus. In every conversation that you have this week, start with Christ. Think of how you can start each conversation dwelling on things above. Somebody says to you, Oh, you having a good day? Man, The Lord has blessed me with such a fantastic day. Or you know, no, this is a terrible day, but I'm praying to the Lord that he'll change it. You know what you did? You just invited the Lord into your conversation. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.